Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. The following programming has been made possible in part by the generous support of BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialists. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, BITS provides career development for computer professionals. For over 50 years, BITS has been on the forefront of industry, promoting and advocating on information access and technology that improves the quality of life for people who are blind and visually impaired. Learn more about BITS programs and how to become a member by visiting their website at www.bits-acb.org. Okay, um, good afternoon and good evening, everybody. I'm Dr. Jesse Real, and today we're going to talk about socialization and especially <clears throat> on ways that you can improve your socialization skills and the difficulties that blind or visually impaired people encounter. Um, I think it's first important to realize that most people really do want to be social. They 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 want to talk to other people, learn new things about other people, uh, interact with other people. But a lot of people, including sighted people, have a great deal of difficulty with this. Um, social anxiety is a huge problem. And um, it's social anxiety and shyness are, you know, we used to talk about people being shy, but now we've kind of term that to social anxiety, but you might hear either or term. And um, social anxiety is a huge problem. Um, So a lot of times, those of us who are blind walk into a social situation and people kind of shy away from us or, you know, they're not talking to us. And we feel pretty left out and, and rejected, excluded, that type of thing. It's not likely that the people in the room don't want to talk to us. It's more likely that they don't know how to interact. And because of their own anxiety, they're, they're really fearful. Um, they don't want to say the wrong thing. <clears throat> we, we all know that in, in this society that we live in, you know, everybody has to worry about what they say. You don't want to use the wrong terminology. You don't want to, you know, make a comparison. You don't want to do anything that could potentially offend somebody. And so a lot of people are responding to that by just not talking to people of cultural diversity, including people with disabilities at all. Because if you don't say anything, you're not, you're not, you know, in in trouble for offending or saying the wrong thing. And so those of us who are blind have a huge burden because we have to be able to put other people at at a comfort level so that they will want to socialize with us so that they'll realize that, well, it might be okay if you offend me because, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk to each other, but there's a good probability you're not going to offend me. So what you learn is that you can say certain things to people, but you wouldn't necessarily shout it out in a group or on the street or something like that. Um, so we have a huge burden. I mean, socialization has always been difficult for many people who are blind, but it's even more so now because of that burden and because we can't read the nonverbal language. 
what we do have an advantage of is our listening skills. Many people who are blind have really sharp listening skills already. And you can you can tune those in. You can really boost your listening skills. And so, although um, many people think that listening is not very important, it turns out that listening is actually the biggest and the best thing that you can possibly do. The next benefit that many people who are blind have is we remember things. We remember details, and we're used to remembering. Uh, details and things because we have to do that to navigate our environment. You have to remember what streets are in order and you have to remember which streets have red lights and which streets have stop signs and which streets are one way. So you can use those same skills to remember things about people. And we'll talk about the importance of that in a little bit. Um, but it's it's really important to remember that sighted people also have serious impediments or impairments in their in their social skills, and very often it is anxiety or that they are so used to receiving information from nonverbal skills that when they encounter somebody who doesn't uh, really exhibit or perform the nonverbals like sighted people do, they have no idea. And and they're basically, you know, very fearful. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. So if we can kind of rethink our feelings, you know, when you walk in a room, don't feel like, oh, they're not talking to me or they're, you know, kind of let me over here by myself um, because of me. It's not because of you. It's them. And so your comfort level can increase just by that knowledge because it's not you, it's them. So what do we do? Um, there, are, there are many things that we can do. The first thing is to try to find somebody, be it the leader or the person who walked with you into the, to the room um, or the host of the party. You know, try to find somebody to explain what you feel comfortable with, what you need. In other words, uh, just explain to them, you know what, I really would like to learn about people. I'd like to know who's in this meeting. I would like to mingle with people at the party. And so how can I best do that? And, and so then you and that person can discuss the environment you can discuss the procedure. You can discuss what is expected. Are people actually going to introduce themselves? Or maybe nobody thought about that. But if you say it would be really helpful in this meeting if people can introduce themselves. So I, one, know who they are. And two, know where they are. Um, that would be good. Or... You can find out, you know, do people just walk around from table to table and, and, and talk to each other or, and get involved in the conversations? And if you learn that that is the case, then you can get a description of the tables. Well, there's five tables in a row, and then there's three rows of five tables, and this is how they are, so that you can have some idea of where the tables are. 
Or you can find out that, well, the tables are all scattered all over the room and you just walk around and hopefully, you know, get to a table. (laughs) Um, Once you receive as much information about your environment and the expectations uh, or, or procedures as possible, then you can determine what is going to work for best for you. It might work better for you to sit and allow people to come to you. Um, sometimes I do that. I talk to the host or, you know, who's ever in charge and, and, and explain that I'm hearing impaired. Um, it would, might be better if, you know, people could come over and talk to me. And they kind of engineer that. They don't make a great big loud announcement in front of the group and say, hey, you know, uh, everybody go talk to the blind person. But what they do is talk to, subtly talk to a few people that they know and say, you know, maybe we could just walk over and talk to her and then kind of encourage other people to do that. Um, So, you know, figure out what is going to work for you. And you may decide that um, you don't want to attend certain events because, you, you find that it's just going to be impossible for you or, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to communicate. I've made some of those decisions recently because of the social distancing. And quite frankly, I, I, I can't hear people. I mean, I can understand, hear the conversation, but I can't understand much of what is being said at that distance. And they are all using, you know, a lot of nonverbals because they can't hear either all that well. And, and I am really feeling left out. So now I've made the decision not to attend some of those events. But some of you may say, oh, I'm going to attend them and I'm going to do the best I can. And that's fine. Decide what works for you. Um, you know, it's also helpful if you give people some instruction. Um, use my name when you are speaking to me so that I know. Or just tap me on the shoulder or the arm. Whatever is comfortable for you. Um, You know, you can ask them to show you a seat with other people. Or if you could could sit with them. um, Just, you know, let them know that you really do not want to just walk in there and, and, and be placed somewhere and left by yourself. And this is really important in churches or places that you're going to continue to go to or that you think you might continue to go to. What very often happens in social situations is people who are anxious or don't know what to do, they're looking for what other people do. When sighted people don't know what to do, they look around and they look what other people are doing. They watch And so if they see people coming up and talking to you, there's a better chance that they are going to come up and talk to you as well. Um, So that's why it's important for us to, you know, be sure that we connect with somebody and kind of give them some instructions as to what to do. Um, Hopefully they'll be in a position that they can encourage other people to do that, which is going to mean that other people will do that You know, before long, uh, if you are a a really social person and pretty adept, this is not going to be an issue. So it may feel awkward the first time or the second time um, that you do it. But after that, it's 
not going to feel that awkward. When I was a lot younger, I had a job working as an advocate. I wasn't uncomfortable. I mean, I wasn't comfortable walking into meetings and and just letting people know that you need to introduce yourselves and that type of thing. So I would sit there trying to figure out who was who and follow the conversation and feeling really, really awkward. So what I finally figured out is they don't know how to interact with you any more than you know how to interact with them and you're the one who needs to take the initiative. So I walked in the meetings and I said, you know, it'd be really helpful if before we start the meeting, everybody could just quickly go around the table and introduce themselves. And it wasn't long before other people started saying, you know, that's helpful to me too, because I might only see you all once a year. And, you know, sometimes I forget your name or I forget who you are. And so I just made that a habit. And uh, if, if they didn't, start the meeting with the introduction, I would kind of remind them. But most of the time, they were so used to it that it became a natural habit. The other thing that I would always do is just let them know, you know, I really would like to talk to you and, and, and be included. So, you know, just if you're speaking to me, use my name, because that way I'll know who you're talking to. And it got to the point that they would either tap my arm or my shoulder or just lightly with a finger, you know, it wasn't intrusive. Um, or they would say Jesse and then go ahead and, and speak. But that way I knew who I was speaking to. Um, another thing that works is make sure that you're behaving like you want to socialize. You know, go out, go to places, um, be, be a part of places, try to get... Um, into conversations, just decide that, you know what, I want to socialize, and so I need to behave as though I want to. And another really important thing is look happy about being there. If you're sitting there and you're all glum and blue and down and feeling uncomfortable and angry or whatever, people pick up on that, and they aren't likely to know how to respond to that and they may decide that they don't want to respond to it. So, you know, if you want to be included, you know, do do what you can, and and certainly look happy um, or comfortable about um, being there, being included. Um, it's also uh, one thing that you can do is if you walk into a room and you're by yourself, um, you can find other people who also came to the event by themselves. And again, whoever is is assisting you to find a plate or food or a place to sit or whatever, you know, just say to them, if you see other people who are sitting by themselves, um, take me over to them because I, I would like not to be alone. And, um, and they probably will. Um, if you're really, really nervous about socializing, start small. Don't try to just enter into a big crowd or a big party because that may be really overwhelming and it may be not a very good experience, which isn't going to make you want to have another experience. So start small. You know, go to a coffee shop. And very often at coffee shops, people are just sitting around and they are there to socialize. Now, sometimes they're working on things but because they don't have computer access or 
they need to get things done. But you can always say, you know, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt. Or if I'm interrupting, let me know. But, uh, you know, are you interested in talking or, or whatever? Um, if they're busy, they can always say, you know, I, I'm working on a, a report. And I've got to get it finished. And you can say, okay, no problem. You know, so feel free to ask people if they would like to talk with you or if, if you might be included or if you might sit with them and, and talk. Um, when you are talking with people, encourage them to talk about themselves because you won't have to talk as much about you. Also, then you can ask open-ended questions. If you start asking questions that people can easily answer with yes or no, the conversation will probably end pretty quickly. But if you, if you say, um, tell me about you know, your dog, um, they'll tell you some stories about your dog. When I go to the dog park, I'll immediately ask what their dog's name is. And then, um, you know, that could end the conversation right there. They say the name, and but then I'll say, well, you know, tell me some things about her or him. You know, where did you get her? How did you get her? How old is she? What kind of dog is she? Um, and I'll continue the conversation. And eventually then they'll say, well, what about yours? And so then I'll talk about mine. And you know, then we'll talk about other things, um, just kind of guide the conversation from one thing to the next. So encourage other people to talk about themselves, um, their friends, their family, you know, their pets, their jobs, whatever, their hobbies. Because what you're doing is looking for some common interest, especially if you are going to continue to see the person or um the likelihood is that you're going to see them. Now, if you're not really going to see them, then, you know, may not need so many common interests, although you might, because you might make some friends that way. Um, if you're really having difficulty with socialization, set some goals for yourself that you're going to go out to one coffee shop or one restaurant or one whatever um, a week or once, uh, you know, three or four a week, whatever you're going to do. So some goals for yourself that you are going to get out of your house and, and actually, you know, mingle with people. Um, so set that goal and then you can, uh, you know, follow through with it. Um, read books that deal with, and there are Zuku's of them. I started looking them up and there were just so many. There are lots and lots of books and articles out there about improving social skills. Because like I said, this is not just an issue for blind people. It's an issue for sighted people as well. Um, offer compliments to people, you know. And again, sometimes we're very afraid to do that because we don't want to offend people. But you can always say to them, you know, um, you don't walk up and say, hey, I like your perfume. But... After you're sitting there talking with somebody for 15, 20 minutes, you can certainly say, would you mind telling me what perfume you're wearing? I like it. Um, sighted people do that all the time. They'll, they'll look at, you know, an outfit or a dress and they'll, they'll say, your dress is really pretty. Well, if you don't have the ability to see, then you're going to have to be creative and come up with other ways that you can compliment them. Um, 
and you can even let them know I really appreciate your your talking to me or your your you know sitting with me. That means a lot. Um, so yeah, give people compliments. Again, the interest is the most important thing that we can do is listen to people. Be interested in their story, ask questions, um, learn about them. One question that you can always ask people, especially after you've been talking to them, is tell me something I don't know about you. And that will invite new conversations. And then probably after they tell you that, they're going to say, well, why don't you tell me something? And then you can tell them something that you haven't talked about before. So kind of be prepared for that. Um, determine how you function best. If you don't do well in really large crowds, there's no reason to torment yourself and force yourself to be there. Because what you can do is look for one-on-one type or smaller group. Um, so determine how you best function. Where do you best function? If, um, like me, you're hearing impaired, I, there's no reason for me to expect a lot of socialization if I go to a loud band or something because I'm not going to be able to hear anyway. So I go with the knowledge that conversation is not going to be real forthcoming and that I'm not going for that. I'm going for the music. Um, try not to be negative, ironic, or complaining. You know, that just really does not do anything to help people want to socialize with you. So refrain from all the stories about your sick cousin or your sick aunt or your sick sister or you being sick or whatever. Um, You know, sometimes people will talk about that briefly, but most of the time we don't really want to socialize and talk about those things. Try to talk about comical things, use a sense of humor, um, talk about interesting things, things like that. Another thing is important is remember people's names. A lot of people say, well, I can't remember names. Well, I'm sure there's some people who really can't remember names. However, I bet you if you had to remember somebody's name and you were going to get $1,000, you would remember that. So do your best to remember somebody's name. And one of the things that can help is ask them their name and then repeat their name so that you have it right. And even ask them how to spell it, even if you don't really care how they spell their name or you kind of know, because that is going to help you remember their name. Um, Feel comfortable asking people. You know, I know we've talked before, but for the life of me, I can't remember your name if you're not sure. Try to avoid these awful, awkward situations where you're having a conversation with somebody and you don't even know who they are. And very often that happens to people who are blind because, you know, we can't recognize their voice or we see them in a different um, place than we expect. So just feel comfortable. You know what? I need to be reminded of your name. Um, and and that's okay. Um, then... Another thing that you can do is remember their stories. So if you see somebody at Walmart and they're telling you something, try to remember that because you may see them again at Walmart. And you can always say, you know, the last time I saw you, you were talking about uh, your your father. uh, And and so I'm wondering how that situation is going or how your father is going. (laughs) This is a 
especially important in in church. So many people will ask for prayer requests, and they'll do that on groups and that type of thing. And most of the time, people never say to that person. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. But a week later, when you see that person again, be sure that you say to them, you know, last week you told us about such and such and asked for a prayer request, and I'm wondering how it's going. Now, that shouldn't be that difficult to do, because if you're praying for the person, you should be able to remember. And if you can't remember, you haven't been praying for the person. So, Follow up on people's requests and what you say that you're going to do. The same thing if you tell them that you're going to send them a link to a website or a phone number or whatever. Be sure that you do that because they're going to remember that. And you're going to either get a reputation pretty quickly as somebody who does what you say you're going to do or somebody who doesn't. Another important thing is to and I know we're going through a lot and very quickly, um, I try to not talk constantly. There, it's pretty draining to be around people who just talk, 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 talk nonstop. And we've all probably been there. We, we probably had the, that experience. So you know how draining it is. It's okay to allow some silence. It's okay for for that silence to occur because that way, other people can start to talk. Um, so you don't have to constantly talk, talk, talk. You know, allow other people to talk and encourage them to talk. Um, be very careful about interrupting. And I know that that really can be difficult for those of us who are blind because when people who are sighted talk to each other, they use nonverbal visual cues to indicate, I'm going to talk. I, I have something I want to say. So if you're in a group or you're at a meeting, one thing that you can do is put your hand up. And I don't mean raise it way high in the air. If you're at a table, you don't want to do that. What you want to do is just raise your hand up to about shoulder height and then put your palm out. So just, you know, bend your arm up to your shoulder. And then that way... Somebody will say, hey, did you want to say something? And and you can say what you wanted to say. So, you know, don't stick your arm all the way up in the air. Uh, obviously, if you're in an auditorium or something, then you might want to do that so that they can see you. But if you're sitting at a table, the, the shoulder is, is definitely high enough. Um, if you do find that you've interrupted, just simply be quiet and say, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's all. So then you might get into that awkwardness where it's like, oh, no, you go ahead. Well, no, you go ahead, you know. But at least they'll know that you didn't mean to interrupt. And so then if they tell you to go ahead, go ahead. Um, You know, try to approach other people, try to start the conversation, and try to keep the conversation going because they they may not know how um, to, to have a conversation with you. And then if, you, if it's one of those situations where you're walking around at tables and, you know, you hear people talking, you can say, is it okay if I join in the conversation? Or may I join in the conversation? Or is there a seat here? If they say, yes, wonderful. 
if they don't answer or they say no, then just excuse yourself and move on to the next table or two. And if you're standing there talking to people, you know, don't feel like you have to keep standing there. Stand there for 5, 10, 15 minutes, maybe, and then move on. So you don't wear out your welcome, so to speak. Um, because they could be a group of people, you know, who know each other well, and they really are not interested in uh, new people, but they don't want to be rude. So just kind of get a feel for that. And if it seems like everybody here is pretty cliquish. And so then just say, I just wanted to introduce myself and, you know, and then move on. So the last thing is love people, respect them, admire them, be interested in them, compliment people, see the best in people. Now, don't don't come up with, with all people's failings or faults or whatever. Forgive people even when it's difficult, you know, or, or when they're being seemingly exclusive. Forgive them for that and just accept that maybe they're anxious, maybe they don't know what to do, and, and it's okay. It's not about you. It's about them. Don't judge people and just just shower them, you know, let them know that they're appreciated, they're important, and you want to hear their lives, their story. So I'm going to open this up for questions, and I would especially love to hear what works for you when you're when you're socializing with people, or what particular challenges that you have. Okay, uh, um, do we have raised hands? Yes, we've got some hand raised. If you'd like to take them, I've got I've got Jane. Let me. You ready to do that, Jesse? Yeah, I'll go ahead and call whoever has the raised hand. <laughs> Jane, you can unmute yourself and talk. I struggle with this all the time where when I go to a book club or uh, a retreat or something and the sighted people, they do that thing with their eyes when they want to speak and they all know. And when I say something, nobody ever hears me. And so I don't deal with rejection well. So, you know, they don't hear me. They're not even listening to me. So I'm just going to go back in my shell and just sit, you know. So I think this thing about raising your hand up the shoulder level, I'm going to try that next When's my next book club? Next Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm going to try that because I've talked about that with my book club. And and we've talked about the different ways that I can be included. Then they can know when I want to speak. So I'm going to try that next next. Yeah, um, if, if you make week. that motion with your hand. Um, with your palm facing toward them? Yeah, just like okay. have, you, have your arm down to your side. Yeah. And bend. And then just bend it up with your arm. With your your hand facing toward, I'm them. practicing it right now. Yes, uh-huh. so I'm going to do that um, because probably what they'll do is see that motion and mm-hmm. then they'll say, "Oh, did you need something, or did you want to?" You know. Yeah. Right. Um. That that's that's really good information. I know one time that it really did work for me. Um. Well, this was a blindness thing. Um. But people were on the other side of the room talking about guide dogs. And I was sitting there by myself. I'm thinking, I want to go over and talk to those people. Uh-huh. Maybe they don't want me to. Maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. But I really want to go and talk to those people. So I went over and I said, can I join the guide dog discussion? And I did. And I was really proud of myself because, I, like I said, yeah. I don't I- deal with rejection well. So, but I did. And I was, I'm, I'm still proud of that. That was three That's years awesome. ago. And I'm still proud of that. So. So, but this is, this is really good information and I'm going to try to put some of that into practice. 
So good. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Okay. We have a, we have an area code 508 ending in 112. You should be able to unmute. Good evening. My name is Stacy, and I thank you. Um, and I'm if I should call you doctor. I don't know. I don't know your last name. Um, uh, you can call me for, Jesse or whatever. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you, Jesse, for that visual cue about your hand because I'm totally blind and I never knew about the cues. But I've experienced a few times in the past, whether it be a church or otherwise, where someone says hello to somebody, not knowing someone's there, and I say hello, and they're not talking to me, and then some, and they laugh at me, and they talk together. But one time someone was saying hello to me and I didn't say anything because of the same, at their, the same experience. So she said hello again. I'm like, um, hello, are you speaking to me? She says, yes, I am. And I told her why I didn't say hello right away. And she says, don't worry. I have that happen to me and I can see. So sometimes it's hard to tell if someone's talking to you or not. Yeah. And, you know, it's okay if you say hello to somebody and they don't respond. You know, you might say something else. Um or if they say hello to you, or, well, they say hello. And I answer people all the time, and I they weren't really talking to me. Because <laughs> usually <laughs> they're talking on these daggone cell phones. Yeah. But I've discovered that sighted people do that, too. Except what oh. they do is look around and, and see if the person is talking to them. But you can't yeah. do that. So just, just say hello back. Or did you were you speaking to me, or did you need something, or whatever. Um, if they and do, also, they'll answer, and if they don't, I will. <laughs> yeah. And also, I try to remember voices, but sometimes some voices have the same texture or tone, and some yeah. once in a while I get the name wrong, and that's <laughs> it's embarrassing sometimes, too, because people get offended if you don't know their voice. It is, but, you know, it, it's unrealistic because, I mean, they don't, if, if before the magic of color ID, you know, we used to always when we call people, we would say, hi, it's such and such, or hi, it's Jesse, you know, whatever. We didn't just expect that people were going to know who we are. And it's the same thing for those of us who are blind. You know, we don't have the added advantage of putting a name with a face. And so you can just say, you know, your voice sounds similar to somebody else I know, and uh, I need to know who you are. It's a whole lot better than having that conversation and playing like you know who they are and you don't. Right. You know, and if they get offended, really, it's, it's on them because you have done nothing whatsoever to defend, offend them. I thank you so much for your input. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay, next we have Karen. Karen, you should be able to unmute. Okay. Um, Okay, um, I know from past experience, I have low vision, so I have an edge. I have some vision, but it's not great, and I can't always recognize people. If someone is, like, super tall or super fat or super unique in some way, I can tell who they are. But a lot of people just kind of look the same to me. Um, the one thing I've figured out is when I ask people their names, um, they also cannot remember my name. So, okay. so I have to kind of do it. I, I've stopped. I've made mistakes sometimes in trying to guess the name unless I was 100% sure. And that is very embarrassing. So, you know, if, if I don't, for whatever reason, don't have the nerve to ask or the situation's not right, then, um, you know, I, I just play along and, and 
hopefully get through the whole thing. Now, the other thing you, okay, I have a couple of short things, but okay, the raise hand um, method I use. Um, I belong to this church group, and so they meet. Um, I'm on the parish council, and and I, they kind of laugh at me, but you know, but someone says, "Oh, Karen wants to speak." So otherwise, I would be interrupting left and right, and it, it's it's you know, it's very unpleasant. The other thing I'd like to say is, yes, Jesse, no matter if you're blind or not, always do what you say you're going to do. Um, I just am volunteering to help someone come go into a, um, a special group. And and it's so difficult for her to, to respond to me. And it, it, it takes so long. And I am actually putting my reputation on the line by recommending this person for the group. And, and she's not making it easy. So I hope at some point she just tells me she's not interested and I can get out of it. Always do what you're going to say. I think the term is... Um, under promise and overproduce. So, you know, if you're going to say, I'm going to do X by Friday, get it done by Thursday, you know, just, um, and I'm just checking my notes here to see if um, there was something else. Um, but I think it's challenging and um, it's, I always feel bad when I'm in a situation where I, oh, the other thing I, my messy writing here is um, no matter if you're blind or not blind, if you're at a party or something, I've read, you know, you should just really move on anyway. Um, If you're with different people that you don't, you're not close friends with or whatever, and you're just going from group to group, it's always better to move on that way. Um, you know, I, I, I would say something like, well, I'm going to go mingle now. So, and that's kind of what I do. So anyway, um, Jesse, thank you for discussing this topic. You're welcome. And those are all good points. And yeah, I mean, unless you really get locked into a conversation that you're enjoying, um, you know, it is better once, once things kind of take a break or a breather or whatever, it is better to just kind of move on to another group and, and talk to them. Um, because if people are really, really interested, they will find you and they'll say, you know, I was really interested in learning more about whatever or talking to you more about whatever. And they'll, they will do that. So, sure. And as for the name, I think a lot of us get really worried about that. But, you know, I can't tell you how many times I'm I'm out or at the dog park, which is my socialization, but anyway. Um, and, and people come over. I know we've met before, but what is your name again? And I'll just tell them, you know, it's, it's okay. So, and those are sighted people. Um, so they recognize my face or they recognize my dog, usually the dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they will ask me what my name is. So don't be embarrassed about this name issue or having to ask. I mean, because it's it's far better to do that and know who you're talking to than to have a conversation thinking you're talking to somebody and you're, in fact, not talking to that person. You're talking to somebody different. And if they laugh or whatever, sometimes people laugh when they're nervous or uncomfortable. So it's not that they're making fun of you necessarily. 
it could be that it's just a way of covering up anxiety or their own awkwardness for not having told you their name to begin with. You know, things like that. All right. Any more questions or comments? Hang on. We got Lynn. Okay. Lynn, you should be able to unmute. Hello. Can you guys hear me okay? We can. All right. So um, what I wanted to say is this is this is a great topic. And I tend to be a person that has social anxiety. Um, but I I've learned an, a valuable lesson from my mom. She's in a she's 90 years old. She can see, but she's she's right now in a rehab facility um, after a fall. And it, it that sort of thing makes me like it's my worst nightmare, <laughs> you know, it, for many reasons. But the thing about my mom that I have found that is helping her is making this situation easier is that she, she connects, she reaches out. And so she talks to the, the person that makes her bed. She talks to the, the person that brings her food. She talks to everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, she connects and what, what has happened is they've gotten to know her and they like her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she laughs and she, so she's not having a great time there. She wants to be home, obviously. Sure. But she is making the best of the situation and through socialization. And I think I've learned that even though it's difficult and even though we don't always want to do it, it is a worthwhile thing to, to try to master because... Life is going to be lonely if you if you don't. I mean, I think there are some people who really want to be a hermit because they are they just are. But I think a lot of people who say they don't like people, what they really mean is I'm just uncomfortable. I'm so uncomfortable in de- dealing with it that I don't want to deal with it. It's not that I don't want to be with people, but I just and that's kind of where I come from. But my mom is. I mean, as a kid, I remember. We would go to the market and, oh, my gosh, she would strike up a conversation with somebody in the frozen food aisle about the price of beef or something. And I'm, I'm a little kid and I have to pee and I want to go home. And I'm like, Mom, please. But this is how I mean, she I have eight kids in my family. And um, this is my how my mom got her adult socialization <laughs> by mm-hmm. talking to I mean, she will just talk to anyone. And it's crazy. And like, for example, my sister's the same way. She's a beautician, but I mean, she is like the walking yellow pages. She knows the, lo- the, the local plumber. She knows the, you know, you need your roof fixed. She knows, not I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, and it's because she reaches out. Yeah. And so what I, what I want to say is even for the people out there that feel like it's difficult, it is difficult. There's no doubt, but it's worth it. It's, it's like exercise. It's not something you want to do always, but you realize the benefits of it. And um, yeah, my mom has really taught me that she's in a, in, a, in a tough spot, but she's making it the best she can out of it by just basically having a gab fest with anybody she can possibly talk to. <laughs> and that's just absolutely wonderful. And it, yeah, it's and, really and, cool and, when people do that. And you know, and when the, you know people who can do that, watch them, watch what they yeah. do. Pay attention yep. to what they say to other people and then try it out yourself. Yeah. And, in the, and one more thing before I go, um, you know, one thing that blind people should possibly learn how to do is sighted people like to look at pictures. So if you can learn how, if you can even get a sighted person 
to put some pictures, like pictures of your grandkids or pictures of your dog or pictures of your vacation in, in, at the beach or whatever. Get people to take some pictures and create a photo album and maybe label those pictures with names. I'm not, not going to say how to do that right now. That would take maybe a half a program. But, but if you can do that, if you can pull up a picture, so when people are talking about their grandkids, you can say, well, this is my whatever, and pull it up on your phone. Uh-huh. And, and Sayyid people love pictures. I mean, they just eat them up, you know? Well, because it's something to talk about. It's something to kind of break the ice. Yeah, and it's a visual. It's a visual, um, you know, whatever. So, yeah, that's just something to think about. If you can get comfortable sharing pictures. Like when blind people get together, we talk about certain things. We talk about Mm -hmm. adoptive technology. and Because they're things that most of us know about or can learn easily enough about. And we can share them with sighted people like to talk about pictures. So yes, if you they want do. to join in with them, then what you have to do is have some pictures. Yes. Somehow. Even if you just get somebody to snap a few photographs and you stick them in a little album. Because yep. you don't need a whole lot. I mean, you're not there <laughs> doing a slideshow. Right. <laughs> yeah. One or two pictures and you're good. Yep. And put, some te- put a text label on those pictures so you oh. can find them. Right. And yeah. This is a great show. Thanks so much. You're welcome, and thank you. Okay, next we have Connie. You should be able to unmute Connie. Um, Jesse, we got about, I think, less than 10 minutes. Okay. Hi. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Hi, Jesse. Thank you for um, this presentation. So you gave us some very good ideas on how to start a conversation, keep it going. My biggest problem is just making that initial connection in the first place. Um, I tend to avoid large crowds because of that. And when my husband was alive, sometimes we attend uh, gatherings together, then we'd leave whenever we wanted to, but I don't have that luxury anymore. You know, it's like if I go, I'm kind of stuck there till paratransit comes or whatever. So um, I don't know, what would you suggest about just making that initial connection, especially if I don't know a lot of people there it's just it's not easy for me to do well it can be very difficult to make the initial connection and especially in a large gathering so what i would do is i something would have to be really important for me to just go to a, a big gathering without knowing anybody at all yeah um because i know that i'm not gonna do well there um so you know again Know where you can function. Know mm-hmm. what you're going to be able to function in. And if you do go to a large gathering, just invite a friend to go with you. Yes, and absolutely. And then tell your friend, you know, well, I, I really would like to get connected with some people. So I know, you know, we're going together and perhaps you can help with that. Because what people tend to do to blind people is they tend to seat us in a chair. For some reason, they think we have to sit down. Right, and, and so they plunk us in a chair, and then they just leave us. And, and so it's uh, okay for yeah. you to say, um, "No, I, I'd be comfortable standing, or I, I would be all right um, sitting with other people." Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just because they sit us in a chair doesn't mean that we have to stay in that chair. We can always get up and walk around a little bit. And, 
But I went to one to went to a family Thanksgiving gathering, and every time I tried to get up to move around and try to find people, my cousin kept plunking me back in the chair. She was like really uncomfortable and with me moving point, around. I would take the cousin aside and say, "Hey, you know." You can either do this with me or you can allow me to do it by myself, but I'm not going to sit there in that chair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why that's why I tend to go to smaller gatherings, like you suggested. Right. Um, I wouldn't even go to a coffee shop by myself. I would invite a friend or two to join me for lunch or something. But um, yeah, I just prefer smaller gatherings where you know we can actually hear each other and talk to each other. And that's that's the important thing. Know what you personally can handle. Mm-hmm. Get real comfortable with that. And then if you want to branch out and handle something a little bit bigger, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you still want to take somebody with you, that's fine too. Yeah. Many sighted okay. people don't go to places by themselves either for the same yeah. reason, except that they don't know what to say and they're afraid that they'll end up having to sit by themselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, th- thank you very much. You're welcome. Next, we have Pam. We got about two minutes, Jesse. Okay. Pam, you should be able to unmute. Okay. Uh, Well, Connie just mentioned one of my pet peeves, and that is you go into a a dinner gathering or whatever, and whoever is is helping you just assumes that you want to eat by yourself. And they'll put you at a table that no one is going to want to join you because it's, well, location, whatever. Uh, My other pet peeve, and this just annoys me to death, is when I am in a conversation with someone and there has been some give and take and it's my turn and I'll be talking to them or at least I think I'm talking to them and they will leave. Yeah. And I'm talking to open space. Yeah. And it just, to me, that's just rude. I mean, If I needed to go to another place, I would tell the person, I'll be back in a minute. I've got to go ask so-and-so a question before they leave. And then I would go and ask the person a question and then go back to whoever I was talking to. But people don't, sighted people often don't do that. They'll just leave and not tell you. And you're talking to air. (laughs) <laughs> well, yes, that is very frustrating, and it's also pretty rude on their behalf. But one more time, remember, we are usually listening to people, yes. and they often are not listening to us. So they're looking around thinking, oh, what can I do, or what do I need to do, or, oh, I yeah. see this over there, I see that person. And because they aren't listening really well to begin with, they just jump up and take off. Yeah. So, you know, just try to be aware of that, and mm-hmm. probably nobody really realizes that you're sitting there talking to yourself anyway. Or you know, if they yeah. if they come over, <laughs> if they come over and say something, you can just say, "Well, you know, I thought I was talking to such and such." Yeah, you know. So again, it's not on you; it's on them, and we can't control what other people do. We can only control what we do. Pardon my interruption. I'm going to have to end the stream. Yeah, okay.